Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee Dee. I'm Maz Mary. And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. This is a pre-record with uh, a high school classmate of mine. He's actually a couple years younger than I am. He might be three years younger than I am. We'll have to get to the bottom of that. But uh, high school choir mate of mine, Brian Johnson, who I haven't seen for a really, really long time, but he reached out on LinkedIn recently in response to another Guest Thursday post, and I'm so thrilled to be introducing him to Dr. Mary and also introducing you to him to you. So let's get Brian on because Brian is the star of the show. Hi, Brian. Hey, Brian. Oh, those are some big shoes to fill. (laughs) Brian, are you, you're three years younger than I am, aren't you? Yeah, um, I was 94. Yeah, you were were a baby when I was a senior in high school. Yes, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I guess if we're going to just go three years at a time makes you still a baby. So it's all good. Yeah, I'll take it. Hey, once we get <laughs> this, <laughs> that's true. Um, any, any little bit helps. That's absolutely true. Um, that's actually an unplanned but perfect segue. I have a kind of a this is your life moment, Brian, okay. to wow you with. <laughs> this is going to so knock you over. You are not going to believe this. So let me bring this up on camera. Are you prepared? Um, as, as I'll ever be. Yep. Here we go. (laughs) Oh my. This is Brian at the baby shower that, um, Atomic Coffee and Barnes and Noble staff threw for me. That is not me behind Brian, but that is Quinn. Quinn. Um, I think he's about five or six weeks old and wow, Brian, I had forgotten that we worked together, which was how we connected post high school. That's right. Yeah. So look at that. I mean, talk about two babies. So, you know, that's a very different time in our lives. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, I thought that hairstyle looked good. (laughs) I'll tell you, the the late late 90s. This this would have been mid-90s. Yeah. You know. It was a dodgy time, really, when you think about it. If you go back and look at, like, Justin Timberlake, it doesn't look exactly unlike his hair, and everybody thought he was amazing. This is true. (laughs) All right. I will pull this down, but I did have to show that off because it proves that we have known each other for a very long time. time. (laughs) So, uh Brian, before we get started, I just want to say to you how ecstatic I was to read your response to our conversation, I think with Michelle Davis, specifically around you also celebrating five years of sobriety. Yes, congratulations. Yes, you too, doctor. Thank you. Bravo. So um, I was saying before we went on camera, the last time I saw you, which was probably close to, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. Um, you yes. were in pretty rough shape. Yeah, uh, I think I had recently moved back to the area. I think so too. Um, and, you know, I'd pretty much resigned myself to absolute failure. And therefore, why not just be obliterated all the time? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, but I'm sure I was a little bit rough around the edges. 
Well, you were a little, and you know, I, um, I didn't understand it at the time. I would, I would deal with it differently today. I'm not saying I would, I'm not saying it would have gone differently, but I would just deal with it differently because I would mm -hmm. understand it today. I didn't exactly understand what it was. Plus, I didn't really know you as an adult. So, right. Yeah, you know, sure. People's lives go the way they go. And sometimes people come back into your life and you think, hey, this guy's kind of out of control. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So, so Brian, tell us, um, you know, the question we always ask, how did you get from here there to here, here being your sobriety and there being wherever you would like to start? Well, um, I mean, I guess um, there was, well, like I said, I had recently moved back to Fargo-Moorhead and um, I had, well, in 97, I moved to Minneapolis and I lived there until uh, 2011, um, my my father passed away in 2010, and I moved out to Denver. And um, I thought it would be a great opportunity for my brother and I to um, forge a closer relationship, and um, you know, kind of do the whole brotherly bonding thing. Um, which uh, I now, hindsight being 2020, would recommend to think very thoughtfully before you uh, move in with your siblings. It may not always be the best, the best You're probably putting it very kindly. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I ended up uh, moving back here. And uh, I mean, I'd always been, you know, kind of like a social drinker and um, you know, recreational pot smoker and whatnot. But um, it, I, um, it, just became more of a of an escape mechanism really just to um escape from my perceived dismal reality um and you know i i guess before you know it you're you're dealing with um not only like that the monkey on your back the proverbial uh, monkey on your back but um a physical dependence to this substance in order to function. Yeah. And um, I had fast forward a little bit, uh, probably to, well, almost six years ago now. Um, it was right after Trump got elected, in fact. And um, I, I remember going to work the next morning. I had been into my tenure at Wells Fargo for roughly five months or so. And, um, you know, at this point I was probably putting down like a one seven five of whiskey nearly every day. And I'm a skinny guy. And You're so skinny, Brian. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a lot of alcohol for anyone, um, in a 24 hour period. Yeah. Um, but I, in order for me to like walk and talk and, literally function i had to be just inebriated um and so my boss had pulled me into the office one day after you know i was having a really difficult time balancing my teller drawer and you know i just reeked like stale booze and um she uh is a recovering alcoholic herself and so um you know she was very compassionate but you know very realistic and just said you know we 
the, the good thing is, is that Wells Fargo has, you know, the leave and, you know, different benefits that you can take advantage of to get the help that you need. And I think for me, that was really, it was a compassionate approach. And I also, that time, I really wanted to make a change. Yeah. And, and I really, I mean, I had done some outpatient uh, treatment plans in the past and, you know, I had gone to AA meetings and more than anything, AA meetings just made me want to drink even more uh, <laughs> listening to all the um, horror stories. Yeah. Um, but seriously, it was like, you know, you'd go in and you'd hear all these stories of uh, uh, past experiences of people. And I would leave those meetings and I would nine times out of 10, I would go back to a liquor store. Yeah. Um, so I ended up going to the Pride Institute in um, the Twin Cities um, for 30 days. And I think it was the, the best course of action for me because it got me, for me, I think inpatient was needed because it got me out of the environment that I had become so codependent upon. Yeah. So. Well, congratulations. It's yeah. incredible. Um, I I have said many times that when I could go visit Maz in inpatient, we would be sitting at long tables. So he and I would be on one end, and a some another person and whoever was visiting them would be at the other end, and so you could hear a lot of conversations. And I just will never forget a guy who was probably in his late twenties sitting at the end of the table. And I, I'm assuming he was talking to his mom and he said to her, I don't want to leave here because my girlfriend's drinking. My friends are all drinking. How am I going to go home and not drink? Mm -hmm. And I think that is, that's such a missing piece of the puzzle. Like you're in this bubble and I'm not saying that the bubble is easy. I can't speak to that and I wouldn't pretend that it is, but you don't have access to anything or it's much, much harder to get access. Right. And then it's, you're just like shot back into the real world. <laughs> and somehow you're supposed to know how to navigate your old life or find a brand new one, your old set of friends or find a brand new set, your roommates, all those things. That feels crazy. We don't say to a cancer patient, you know what? We've cut the cancer out. Don't come yeah. back. Go find a new life. Yeah. Godspeed. We, we have a whole long-term system. And I understand that that's what AA can be for people. And there's lots of ways to do that. But it feels like we're just shoving people out a door and shutting the door and saying, yeah, you're probably going to do because it's really yeah. hard. Well, and, and one of my frustrations with on that side of, the, of it is with the health insurance oh. and, and just the over general, you know, uh, healthcare system in this country. Um, I mean, there were towards my last like week and a half in treatment. I mean, I remember being in the administrator, you know, in the secretary's office several times with, you know, basically my little, my dorm room stuff all packed up because I was anticipating my insurance to say, okay, you're done. You're cured. We're, you yeah. know, um, you know, luckily that didn't happen. But I, I saw a lot of people where that where that was the case. But yeah, upon your release, it's kind of 
Pride was pretty good about trying to get you set up with resources. It was more difficult for them because, uh, for, in my case, because they they don't really know what's going on up in Fargo-Moorhead, per sure. se. Um, so I did have to do a lot of um, kind of like looking on my own. I knew what I where I did not want to go. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually kind of stumbled upon um, uh, continuing sort of, uh, I forget now what it's called, um, like a low intense outpatient or something to that oh, effect. Okay. Um, at Anchorage in Moorhead. And um, mm -hmm. that, that program really worked well for me. Um, the counselor there at the time was really into um, smart recovery and cognitive behavioral therapy, oh. which I found to be much more effective than the 12 step program. Sure. Uh, I need that, like, you know, sciencey brain piece of it. Like, yeah. you know, what's going on in here because of the alcohol. Not so much, you know, I don't need the whole spiritual connection. That's just doesn't resonate with me. Sure. 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 Well, I, I, it's been really incredible to learn the various paths people have taken yeah, to find certainly for me, sobriety anyway. because we just have such a limited experience. We've got one person who tried one thing that worked. Yeah. You know, so it's a very small test sample. We would not be getting um, any national grants around our <laughs> extensive research. That's for sure. Um, so, Brian, I was also very sorry to read. Um, that your mom has just died. Yeah. I'm yeah. really, really I'm sorry, sorry about that. About that. Um, Thank you. But, but I loved what you said, which was in essence, I can't imagine going through this if I wasn't sober. Oh yeah. I mean, I, yeah. It's, it's Talk a little bit more about that because I mean, we're all going to suffer losing yeah. people. Um, well, it, you know, it, it, it happens so quickly and um, all of a sudden you are forced to make really important decisions with, without having the luxury of doing research and weighing pros and cons. Yeah. Um, you know, I... Um, Prior to her going into the hospital, um, I was like trying to get her to go into uh, the emergency room. I wanted to take her before I ended up taking her. Um, but, you know, she's being the mother that she is. She's like, no, I'm fine. And, and, and in her defense, she had just gone to urgent care and, you know, was discharged with a fairly clean bill of health. You know, I mean, nothing red flags or anything like that. Um, but, uh, when I, um, I had checked on her, so I worked from home, um, and I checked on her after, during one of my breaks and I, I knew something was terribly amiss. Um, and I, I suspected that she had suffered a stroke. Oh. Um, and then I was trying to get her into the car and it's like you know eight million below zero oh. so i'm trying to get her bundled up and into the car and um and she at that point really couldn't use her legs so we i still i at least i can find humor in some parts of this but we have 
a chair on wheels, so a wheelchair in her <laughs> office. So I managed to get her in that to wheel her from the bedroom to through the kitchen and uh, into the almost almost to the garage, but not quite. And um, and then at that point, I just uh, I decided it was probably best to call nine one one and get some assistance. So yeah. Um, so she I, she got to the the ER and and I had told the paramedics and the uh, physician that I first spoke with that you know I suspected that she had had a stroke and and both of them said that they weren't thinking a stroke they were thinking a urinary tract infection and I'm thinking to myself okay I'm not the doctor here I did not go to medical school but what uh, uh, what does one have to do with the other and. Are you not even like paying attention? So like moments like that, I'm like, I can't imagine if I had, you know, been half in the bag. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, or what, what the paramedics would have thought. Well, know? that's true too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know? So, you know, and then, um, you know, getting the phone call, uh, cause I had, they were going to run a bunch of tests and, um, basically just have me sit in the lobby for some more time. So I, I was like, well, I'm going to run home and let my dog out, maybe try to eat something myself really quick, and then I'll come back. Um, and as I was about to uh, get in the car to go back to the VA, um, the uh, newest uh, physician, like on their shift change, uh, that doctor had called me and um, he said that he did not have good news. And I thought he was, I thought he was going to tell me that she had already passed. Yeah. But, but no, but that she had indeed suffered a pretty massive stroke and had blood clots throughout her legs and, and a good portion of her uh, body and into her brain um, causing the stroke. And, um, and that uh, I needed to make the necessary phone calls um, because he, he was, he wanted to make it clear that it was a matter of hours and days, not weeks and months. Yeah. Um, and that's, I'm, I'm still getting choked up now still. Um, but yeah, I, I then called my brother and um, I don't even know if I made any sense <laughs> when I spoke to him Yeah. Um, other than just to be like, you know, you need to get here like yesterday. Um, and uh, then I, um, got back to the VA and, and had to start, you know, signing all these papers that yeah. I, I didn't, I mean, thank God she had a medical directive and the decisions that I was making were in line with that. Yeah. Um, but at, at the time that I was making the decisions, I did not know that, that she had a medical directive uh, oh. or whatever. So I was just going off of, you know, what I kind of remember all of us talking about as a family, you know, um, and running it by my brother and, um, kind of hoping for the best. So once I did see and, and read her medical directive, I, I had breathed a huge sigh of relief, but I still, you know, questioned, you know, was it too soon to begin mm -hmm. hospice care? Um, but I, I had to kind of go back and A, not second guess myself and B, um, you know, realize that, you know, read literally what she wanted in this situation. 
And I think if I, I mean, it was emotionally charged and draining simultaneously, but I, I can't imagine um, trying to do that uh, being just wasted. Mm -hmm. I, I can't even like, I can't even wrap my head around it. No, I'm trying to think about if Maz had needed to make those kinds of decisions too. I mean, it just, it would have been like looking at the dog and saying, well, what should we do? Yeah. You can have a very smart dog. It's not going to tell you what you should do in a moment of crisis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the dog's probably not going to be belligerent. The drunk alcoholic is going to be a belligerent. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the other thing too. I mean, you just, I mean, you have no idea. Like I tended to, I tended to be, um, I would start off as kind of like a happy-go-lucky fun drunk, but I mean, like it, it could turn on a dime to where I was, you know, surly, angry, you know, and so I can't imagine, you know, with um, a care team yeah. coming to me for end of life decision making uh, process that I would have received it quite as um, humbly as I did. Yeah. Well, what a gift that your mom got to have those last five years yeah. with you sober. And then yeah. have them with her. Yeah. I mean, you don't have anything to feel guilty about because you were present. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the, the real blessing I think is, um, you know, and, and even at the, at the very end, I mean, um, if, if I never see another human being die in front of my face it, again, it'll be too soon, but um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that or, yeah. you know, yeah, I'm, no. I'm glad that I got to be there for her. Yes, absolutely. Like fully be there. Yes. Yes. You weren't just physically there. You were present entirely. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Um, do you have any questions off the top of your head? So I, I'm guessing you don't go to a regular AA meeting. So how do you, what do you do? What tricks do you have to share with us that helps you stay on track during an average day? Well, um, I, you know, I don't really have a whole lot that I sort of like religiously do when I was, when I was first out of treatment and, and still new into sobriety. And I guess, depending on, you know, how you look at time, I, I could still be relatively new to sobriety, I suppose, mm -hmm. but, um, I, I did a lot of like the cost benefit analysis. <laughs> like the bigger you become, Brian. <laughs> I know, but as silly as that sounds, it was like, you know, you just sort of like weighing weighing the options yeah. um, when when you've got a clear head. Um it really kind of uh allows you to really weigh them without any with minimal bias, I guess, because you, you're not like, you're not coming at them with like an ulterior motive. Um, you know, the alcoholic in me would be like, well, what could I do so that I can make sure I've got a drink before, during and after, you know, whereas, you know, now I guess I'm presented with, you know, like say something at work gets really frustrating. Um, I guess one of the, one of the ways I, I deal with it is I, I just kind of like 
sarcastically joke with, with colleagues. Um, like if I'm really frustrated about something, I'm like, well, you just better hope that I don't start drinking again. And I know that's not <laughs> to joke about, you know, but well, you can joke about it as the recovered alcoholic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, it like, it, it, it actually kind of helps me sort of lighten the load, see the humor in it um, sure. a little bit. A lot of my colleagues are like, oh my God, no, you know, don't, don't jeopardize your, your sobriety or, or what have you. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I get the, um, the magnitude of it, but um, yeah, I guess I try to find the lighter side of things. I try not to take things so seriously. And in general, I have a tendency to, to do that anyway. So um, uh, I guess those are the, like the, the cost benefit analysis and just trying to find the humor in things really. You know, it's it's well, funny. That's, that's a fantastic attitude. Um, I just posted, I don't know, maybe on Saturday on the Daily Dose Facebook page, a one um, square comic. So it's a man <laughs> sitting in a chair and his wife's coming in behind him. And he says, what? I taught the dog to shake. And the dog's got a martini shaker. Oh. And I, I, was I, just, I thought it was hilarious myself. I had a moment <laughs> where I thought, okay. Is this in poor taste? And then I thought, you know, if you can't laugh at the stuff that you've struggled with and worked through and overcome, then almost what's the point of yeah, overcoming that's... it? We have to be able to laugh about the stuff that was so awful that you either laugh or cry. Yeah, it's true. And, and you know, even like finding humor in, in some of the events right around my mother's death, I... Part of me is like, oh my gosh, you know, there, there's absolutely nothing funny about that. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, there was something where I, if my dad would have been alive, he would have been poking so much fun at the situation. And um, and I just started bursting out laughing. I can't remember what exactly it was. I think it was something at the funeral home, but um, I... I'll think about it probably later on tonight, but um, <laughs> I just remember it being like so kind of out of context, but yep. I, and my brother actually found it pretty amusing, not quite as funny as I did, but <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was just one of those moments where the, everyone in the situation and the situation is just so somber and, and melancholy and I'm just like on the inside, like just dying of laughter. Yep. And uh, well, that you know, actually gave me some comfort. Yes, yeah. absolutely. The reality is those of us who live have to keep living. And that's the yeah. thing. You know, I mean, and, and it's not a, it's not a, um, trivial thing it's not like a oh my mom is dead isn't that hysterical it's a funny moment in the larger context of this very sad thing or a funny comment in the larger context of your sobriety mm -hmm. because if we can't laugh about it then life is just pretty miserable yeah and yeah. and i, I for for my sake for my part I want us to celebrate that we got through it, not to bemoan that we went through it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's yeah, a really good point. 
Yeah. Um, and I found that some of my previous um, attempts at, at treatment that were uh, more of the 12 step base um, and faith based, like I said, for me, it just didn't resonate. And I think that was one of the reasons why it just, it felt like we had to just beat to death that we were alcoholics. Yeah. And it's like, all right, I think the whole thing is dead. Right. You know, I, I went to two or three Al-Anon meetings with some really lovely people. My rejection of Al-Anon was not because of the people I was in the room with, but I just, I could not understand how in the world I would choose to be part of something that started basically with, well, I'm a pretty bad person because I married an addict. But, yeah, and, I know. Like, that's my baseline. I'm not a bad person. He's <laughs> not a bad person. Some bad decisions might have been made, but mm -hmm. get in line. Right. Yeah, exactly. If we go, if we go back to this picture. <laughs> this baby right here is the product of a real bad decision. Yeah. Okay. That's okay with me. I can celebrate that. I don't need to hang my head for the rest of all time. Right. And so I got you don't need the scarlet letter? Yeah. You don't need one dangling like right here? Big A? Yeah. 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 I mean, I just, you know, and, and the same I think is true, is true for people who get, well, even for people who don't get to the sober side of addiction. They're not bad people. They're, no, they're making difficult decisions that have they're making, and they're making those decisions with the tools that they have. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's a really, that's a really great way to say it. So yeah, I, this whole kind of beat myself up because of that. If it works for you, outstanding. It sure did not work for me as a spouse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you know it's funny i um well it's not funny i guess but uh, my my mom <laughs> is a big um uh, uh advocate for alanon she she first started going um back in the early 80s when my dad went to treatment um cuz i think he i was 5 or 6 i believe when he went and 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 got sober and remained sober for the rest of his life so wow um, and he was like Mr. Ra Ra AA. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then she, my mom started going back to Al-Anon after I had gone to treatment and she, um, she just, the, that was like one of the things that she looked forward to every week was, was her Saturday meetings. Yeah. And even when the pandemic hit, um, you know, I, I helped her set up zoom so that mm. she could, maintain those meetings. And, yeah. and when I met some of those ladies at, at her funeral, um, just what a neat bunch of women. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I'm, uh, my rejection was not of the people who were at the meeting. Yeah. My rejection was just of the format of the meeting. I yeah. it's just not how I want to acknowledge. Well, that's how I felt about AA for me. Yeah. Too. It was, it, it felt too, punitive and um and and yeah and just self-deprecating and and not in you know a funny not in a funny way no, no week, I, don't, I don't know i know loads of people who see it like that i just see it uh to me is like i go there we read the promises the 12 steps uh that you know why we're here um and i just think yeah 
I'm here because we're all here because we're all the same. And I don't yeah. read anything deeper into mm. that. And then it's just a place of let's have some I do therapy like without judgment. And the community um, aspect of it. I think that that is um, that's one thing that I did really take away from it that I thought was yeah. really invaluable. Um, because it it is like it's it's sort of like a, a leveling a level playing field for everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But what I don't get is when Dana explained to me what happens in Alanon, and they have to address the twelve the twelve promises too, but they're not addicts. <laughs> yeah, it it felt really weird to me. I just thought, why am I chanting the same thing he's chanting, and more importantly, why am I chanting? I don't. Well, chant. Yes. Like that was my thing. I was like, don't boss me into oh, chanting. We don't chant them. One person reads them. Yeah, yeah. No, I just whatever. Whatever. It didn't work for me. Oh, it does work for many people. How yes. outstanding that it works. Oh, yes. And absolutely. In your case, and in to a lesser extent in my case, how great that other things work. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Um, I mean, when I was at Pride, I um well, I'm I'm rather um I can be rather stubborn at times. And uh, I remember like one of the first days that we, one of the first program days where it was sort of like in that evening time after dinner where there were some programmed activities, but um, they, they, there was also like sort of like an open time. Um, and so I like did my darndest to, um, to start a smart recovery group because mm. uh, there was, we had Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous and Crystal Meth Anonymous and, you know, all the anonymous groups. And I was like, well, is there like a smart recovery or um, I, they weren't preaching harm reduction yet. And I don't think a lot of places do, which is a shame, but, um, but they did have, um, I forget what they call what the book is called. I can almost see it on my shelf, but um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I've got to grab it. It's okay. Uh, no worries. Um, Just having a little inner dance monologue. That was a musical interlude. It's <laughs> called The Small Book as opposed to The Big, oh, the big oh, Book. Right. I've seen this. I haven't read it, but I've seen this. Oh, um, how is it, Brian? It's 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 pretty good. I mean, it's uh, rational recovery, and you know, so it's it's a little bit different than smart recovery, but okay. Um, you know, it's just a different approach. Yeah. Um, and I think that I think that we, as a society, would be more successful in treating addictions if we offered pe people more choices across yes. the board yes it's just like we'd be more successful in educating children if we offered lots of ways to learn that doesn't make it easy the easiest no. thing is just this is the system get in line yeah <laughs> um but we know i mean people like you and i brian who took like 80 percent music and and english and art classes and we then 20 percent because we had to everything else, yep. you know, maybe a different education system might've done different things for us. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that, well, I don't know. I, I try not to ponder too much about what what would have happened or, you know, the what if game. Um, I really tried to stop playing that a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think, you know, when I quit drinking, that was a good first step in, in getting over that game. Um, my mom's passing, I realized really quickly that, um, well, actually a friend of mine and colleague that I work with, um, got that out of my head really quickly. Um, yeah, because that is, I think a road that you can go down that doesn't lead to a very happy place for anyone involved. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but, but you do have a point and, um, you know, it's, you know, what is the harm in, in having a whole buffet available? Right. We're going right. to overeat on information. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Brian, tell me one more time. I think I can do this. What's the name of the book? The small book? The small book. It's, um, yeah, I can. who's it by? It is Jack Trimpe. T-R-I-M-P-E? Yep. T-R-R-I-M-P-E-Y. Here, let's see if I can put this, if that'll show up. It may not show. Oh, yeah. You know what? Of course, it's not going to show up because this is not a live recording. All right. I'll just make sure that we get it into the to the meeting or to the minutes. Um, well, Brian, uh, I... I have thought about you a lot over the years and wondered how you were. And I'm sorry that I only ever thought about you and never reached out to you because how could you have known I was thinking about you since I never told you that I was, but <laughs> I was just so, so, so thrilled to see your post last week and to realize that however you figured out how to get to the other side of your addiction, you've, gotten there and I just could not be more pleased for you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's, um, it, you know, it, it certainly wasn't easy. Um, uh, and I, I can't thank, um, my mother enough. I mean, she really, God, she put up with a lot. Um, but she also was, I think my biggest advocate and, yeah. and biggest supporter. Um, and I know that there were times when she was about done <laughs> with her support. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, uh, it, I mean, anybody who is struggling with it, um, I mean, I won't sugarcoat it. it it's not easy. There are going to be... Um, mm -hmm really difficult times and there are going to be times when you question everything and you're going to want to go back to what is easiest. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are times, but even now when I'm, you know, there, there were a couple of times, you know, dealing with, um, you know, trying to figure out, luckily the estate is now things are in motion and getting, processed and stuff but um in, in the times of uh uncertainty like i was like i don't know who's 
who's in charge of paying the bills now? You know, there was a trust, but there was no money in the trust and there's this and and all this. And, you know, there were times when I'm like, there's, I don't have anybody watching, not that she was watching over my shoulder, but I don't have anybody to say, to question me if I walk into a liquor store and get a bottle of, of something, you know? Um, But at the end of the day, I'd still have to live with myself. I was going to say, now Mm. you have yourself. Yeah sitting on your shoulder and don't forget your cost benefit analysis, Brian, it's never going to pay yeah, out. Right. <laughs> you don't want to see the numbers in those columns. I no, <laughs> I just think that's so brilliant because I mean, of course, what you don't realize when you're in the middle of it is it's a damn expensive habit. Oh my God. Yes. You're not drinking the really expensive stuff. Yeah. It's expensive to consume that much of anything if you drank that much coffee you'd be broke yeah oh yeah i mean it's i i did the math well i started to do the math once and uh i stopped after i hit 20 grand yeah because i just didn't want to i didn't feel like there was a real constructive point for me to know at that point you know how much I had spent. Yeah. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that I did spend it. And I, you know, what am I going to do? Like, I I can't regurgitate it at this point. So, no, no, no. All you can do now is just keep it in the back of your mind and let that help you stay on the path you're on because you're clearly on the right path. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just delightful. I don't know if I'm the, quite the right path, but <laughs> you're no, on a right I'm path. definitely on a much better path than, than I was. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us yeah, and thanks, sharing Brian. your story. It's and- fantastic to meet you. Yeah, you too. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I monopolized most of the conversation, but um, that's the point. That's the point. That's your story. <laughs> yeah. If we're going to talk, we do that on Tuesdays. Otherwise, what's the point of bringing someone on? We'll ask a question and we'll just talk a whole bunch. Yeah. (laughs) What he likes about our show is that Dana and I actually let our guests talk. I like that. Yeah. And why change that? I'm a big podcast listener um, to like several different shows, mostly on what are you eating? (laughs) Um, Mostly uh, NPR, but yeah. and I had actually thought before everybody and their dog got, got a podcast, I was kind of thinking about getting into it um, with an old colleague of mine from work. Um, but then COVID hit and we started working from home and, you know, it just did not work out. So, but yeah, one thing I've noticed is that a lot of, you know, and especially like the, the professional podcasters, um they they don't let their guests speak it's really weird i i detest when i'm a guest and i'm on a show and i leave and i think huh i said nothing (laughs) you never gave me the opportunity to speak and do you know how hard it is for someone to speak over me i mean that's a real feat yeah so when that happens that's a truly remarkable human being who has figured that out. So I try to not do the same thing to our guests. 
So All right, Ryan. You guys, been doing this. Um, you are our three hundred and twenty eighth episode. So we started in July of twenty twenty. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. So we did fifty six straight weeks, five days a week, and then we moved to two days a week in September of twenty twenty one. So. It's, um, you know, when we started, I always joke and say, I thought I knew like three alcoholics. So we were going to have three guest Thursdays. You're our 70th conversation, Brian. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, so it's, um, you know, the, the great thing about addiction is almost everybody's got a connection yes, to it. And the do. terrible thing about addiction is that almost they everybody's got a connection to yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. It creates astonishing problems, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. What we're talking no. about tonight is an astonishing Another win. success. Yeah. All right. We're going to let you go, Brian. Everybody else, we will be back next Tuesday, but not live, I think. I think maybe a pre-record for that too, because, you know, as Dr. Mary now becomes the chair, he has new responsibilities. So we'll figure it out, but I'll let yeah. you know. I'll let you know how it's, it's going to go. It's going to be interesting anyway. Everybody, we'll see you soon. Brian, thanks Brian, so thanks much. thanks again. Thank you both. It was a pleasure. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, email me at D-A-Y-N-A at D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L dot com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.